0: Well, glory to God. Amen? (laughs) I think I could listen to that music three or four more times. It's always a blessing to see what God puts in front of me as I preach. And it's always a blessing to know that I could not have chosen songs better than what Brother Aaron has already chosen uh, to go along. I praise the Lord for that. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to... Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and clap. If you're going to clap, clap. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 14. 2 Samuel chapter 14, and we'll begin reading in verse 28. Uh, a familiar passage with, with many of you. Actually, it goes back to kind of verse 26. Uh, talking about Absalom here, the Bible says that he pulled his hair. He weighed his hair. Uh, now, it wouldn't take long for me to weigh mine, but I'll tell you, according to what the Bible says in verse 28, he had like six pounds of hair according to the shekels and all. So that's a, that's a head of hair. Amen? Uh, and so I'm not going to preach on that. That's ungodly to have that much hair. Uh, I'm going to preach down, starting in verse 28 if you would stand with me in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Bible says in 2 Samuel 14, did I say second a while ago? I said first, didn't I? Now, I've done that all day long and all night long too. But it's 2 Samuel 14. 2 Samuel, I'll give you just a second to get there. Beginning in verse 28. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, saw not the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have him sent him to the king. But he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Therefore, he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said unto him, Wherefore, why have thy servants set my field on fire? On fire, Lord, thank you this morning. How we've been blessed! Would you just continue to let Your Holy Spirit move in a glorious way and have Your way in every one of our lives? We decrease, You increase. We uh, humble ourselves, and we glorify the name of Jesus this morning. In Your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, this is a a, a warning message. I think it's a timely message for what we need in America today. Uh, and it's an old message. There's all, all kinds of, uh, uh, I went back and looked at some of the old sermons. The old preachers preached on this. and uh, So I've, I've got that too. But uh, this is a different angle than what I've ever preached on it before. But uh, you say, what happens if God sets your barley field on, high, on fire? Now, there's one thing you need to understand up front. I've preached before, too, but i just remind you again. There's no barley field God wants to burn, but there's no barley field God won't burn. I tell young people all the time, if you could learn one lesson in life, just one lesson, just one lesson, if you could learn that God's got the resources to get your attention, if you could learn that in life. I mean, you run wherever you want to run, God's going to be right there. You hide wherever you want to hide, God's going to be right there. Amen. I mean, I, well, let me go on here. What is a barley field? A barley field is something that's precious to us. It's something that's more precious to us than Jesus is. I've got some barley fields. I've got a wife and two boys and two daughter-in-laws and four grandchildren. They're barley fields. They're barley fields. I do just what Joab would do. He'd get up in the morning and he'd go out and he'd see the sun coming up. And whoo, all over those barley fields. How blessed I am. I sit there in my chair and I look at pictures of my family and grandchildren and all those. And I think, Lord, I'm blessed. Boy, I'm blessed. Those are my barley fields. Absalom sent for Joab. Now, a little bit of history here. Absalom hasn't always been a good little boy. But in a lot of reality, I'm I'm not so sure that that I wouldn't have done the same thing. See, his his brother raped his daughter, Tamar. And they didn't have a come-to-Jesus prayer meeting. Absalom went out and killed him. And he's been out of the country now. For a good while. Now he's back in the country for two years and he wants to see the king and he knows he's got to go through Joab to see the king. And Joab says, You're not seeing the king. They sent the servant over there, Joab, would you come and talk with me? Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. He sends him again, Joab, would you come talk with me? And the servant comes back and says, uh, He's not going to talk to you. He's not coming. You can write this off. And Absin says, Oh, yeah he got some barley fields down there right close to mine. You boys take this torch and go down there and light those fields on fire. He'll come. And the Bible says as soon as those fields were burning, man, he jumped up and he ran to Absalom and said, what in the world? Why have you set my barley field on fire? Why have you done that? Hmm. I pray God would speak to every one of you in this place today because I don't care if we're 10 years old or 70 years old or 40 years old every one of us got barley fields we've all got barley fields and we need to be very careful that we don't let those barley fields take precedence over the Lord Jesus Christ because he will not allow it here's a simple fact when your barley fields on fire it's too late to worry about it then I mean, when that sucker's sitting on and it's going, you just, uh, it's too late to worry about it then. There, there's some things here that I see in this scripture uh, that's different that I, I just want to bring out to us. I uh, See, first of all, there's a great call here. There's a great call. The, the, the earthly king he's talking about here, but I want to not only say there's a great call of the earthly king, but there's a great call of the heavenly king. I remember years ago, I was sitting in a revival meeting on a Wednesday night with a redheaded preacher from Rusk, Texas. And uh, God rang my phone, and I picked it up and answered it at eight years old. And I want to tell you, when the heavenly king calls you, and you pick up that phone, and you let him have his way in your life, it'll change your life. It'll change everything about you. When, when the phone rings, what a blessing. I looked up this word come. Over 600 times the word come is used in the Bible for things like come. If you're tired, come. He said, I'll give you rest. If you're defiled, he said, come and I'll cleanse you. If you're In Isaiah, he said, come, let us reason together. Uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He said, if you're thirsty, you come and I'll give you water. You will never thirst again. The king says, come. How many ways does he call us? He's always calling us. How many ways? Let me just give you four. Number one, he calls through preaching. 1 Corinthians 1 talks about the foolishness of preaching. That's how you're going to be saved. It's through the preaching of the word of God. Now, he's not talking about foolish preaching. There's a lot of foolish preaching going on today, too. He's not talking about foolish preaching. Never a week goes by that what some preacher doesn't call me and say, you know, your church is a unique place. You you preach old-fashioned and young people still sit there like they're blind and dead and listen to you holler and scream. I said, praise God. Brother Herb and I talked about it. Everybody wants an alternative today for preaching. Get you a little stool and sit on it and a table and just kind of be a life coach. God didn't call me to be a life coach. He called me to be a preacher. And if you're here young and you want an alternative, I'm going to tell you, there's alternatives all over this town. And I'm not knocking them. They're, they're, good, they're good men. They're good churches. You can, if that's what you want for you and your family, then you move on. But we're going to do church the way we've always done church. I I don't see no need to change something that's not broke. And it's not the flashy lights. It's not everything painted black. None of that's going to make any difference. The thing that's going to make a difference is when the power of the Holy Spirit falls fresh. That's what's going to make a difference. And that comes through preaching the Word of God. We don't need more programs and all that. What we need is about six months of old-fashioned hellfire damnation preaching. Herb told me here when he was here, he said, Charles, just hang on. Everybody wants an alternative. In about three years, you and me will be the alternative. Yeah. What we need is some preachers to get right and to go to their pulpits and preach, hell is hot, heaven is sweet, there's no salvation without repentance, and sin is real. We sit here and we talk about how great this church is and how wonderful this church is, and it is, listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. This is a great, great church. I am not lying to you. If you're here visiting looking for a church, you ought to join this one. It's the greatest church this side of heaven. But even in this great church, we got a leadership that can't even get along with each other. You know, now you don't see all that. But it makes me want to spit. The fact that we're God-called people. And then we get crossways with each other. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like your spirit. I don't like your attitude. And then we'll stand up in here and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. No, you don't love him very much or you'd get your heart right with God. Well, I better go. Boy, those old preachers, Adrian Rogers, Manly Beasley, Carlos McLeod, W.A. Criswell, Some of those old preachers, man, have mercy. Don't lose sight of those. Don't lose sight of them. So he calls us through preaching. But he also calls us through the precious Holy Spirit. Now they got a problem. See, Jesus is wanting to leave, and the disciples say, please, Lord, don't leave. Man, you're our rock. You, You can't leave us here. And he said, listen, you don't understand it right now. But it's going to benefit you that I go away. Because if I go away, there's going to be one coming that's going to be able to be everywhere all the time. See, Jesus could only be one place at one time. He was limited by his physical uh, abilities. But when he left, when he left, and they waited in that upper room for the Holy Spirit to come, when that Holy Ghost came down, Suddenly, he's not in a cloud anymore. He indwells in his believers. And we don't, we don't, it's not about signing a card and shaking a preacher's hand. We need Holy Ghost conviction. I'll never forget years ago, Dr. Stan Coffey, I had him in revival. And we were at the high school auditorium. And this guy comes up to us. We'd all, the meeting was already over. We were in my car fixing to go eat, cut up, have some good fellowship. This guy comes up and taps on the window. He said, I, I, I want to be saved. And I said, okay. Uh, let's, let's go back in here and get into a, a room here at the high school. We were at the p g High School. And I said, uh, let's go in here. And while we were walking up there, Stan said, I'll handle this. I said, okay. <laughs> I had no problem with that. Well, we get in that room, and old Stan says, I hear you want to be saved. He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I need to be saved. He said, well, let's get on with it. And the guy said, well, aren't you going to take me through some scripture? He said, no, I ain't taking you nowhere. You're the one who came and said you wanted to be saved. Why do you want to be saved? He said, well, I don't know all these scriptures. And he said, you don't need to know those scriptures. You said you wanted to be saved. Now get saved. And we sat there about 10 minutes, and finally the old boy just threw his face down on the floor and just cried out to God that he was a sinner, and he, he knew he couldn't save himself. Nobody quoted Romans 3, 23. Nobody quoted Romans 6. Nobody quoted Romans 5, 8. Nobody quoted Romans 10, 9, and 10. Nobody even quoted Romans 10, 13. He cried out to God, and I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost fell on him, and he got saved. He got saved, and he's still faithfully serving the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Programs, you know what I think about programs. (laughs) And now I'm going to tell you, there's another one coming out Thursday that's good. (laughs) Southern Baptists, you know, we may be bad in a lot of ways, but programming is not one of them. We're the best in the programs. But there is a program coming out uh, Thursday at noon. I'll get to interview it and preview it there. And uh, it's called, Who's Your One?, Dr. Johnny Hunt leading it out is through the North American Mission Board and it's challenging every person that's saved by the blood of the Lamb to win one person to Jesus and disciple them in the year 2019. One. Uh, Not not 10. Forget that. One. Do you know what this church would look like in January 2020 if half of this congregation won one? And discipled them. It would totally change. This whole community. Just one. It's not going to happen by programs. It's not going to happen by your intellect. Uh, hmm. It's going to take the Holy Spirit. He also calls us. Not only through preaching. Not only through the Holy Spirit. But he calls us through praying loved ones. Now I know every one of y'all were not as privileged as I was. I remember getting up in my granny's uh, lap, and she had hair down to the floor. I mean, some of these older ladies, that was their jewel. They had that hair long, and she would sit there and comb that hair, and, and then she'd bob it up, you know, and everything. And I'd be sitting in her lap, listening to her, praying for me by name, that I'd be saved. That I'd be saved. I've heard my mother say the same prayers. and I know some of y'all didn't have that privilege. Some of you grew up in families that that might not have been there. And I, I, I don't know what else to tell you other than this. Nobody can help you what you were in the past. But you can make a change now. You can decide now that your children and your grandchildren are going to hear a godly person praying for them. Thank God for, for people who are praying, loved ones who are praying. Many years ago, uh, there in Port Natchez, we had a guy that he, he had a bad son, and, and, and uh, he was just rough. He, he was on drugs and alcohol, and he married a girl in the church, and it was just a mess. It was just a royal mess. I took him, tried to disciple him there like an idiot. I took him to a youth camp. As a sponsor, and that night up in Arkansas, there was a demon in the youth camp. I told my wife when I walked in. I mean, it's just I said, "Honey, something ain't right in here tonight. It ain't right. I can just tell you." And about that time, the most blood-curdling scream you ever heard—it was come from a kid down sitting in the front, and it was that devil we got him up, got him over to a place, calmed him down, actually met with him probably four or five hours. He got saved and, and everything, you know, God blessed. But I just tell you, well, oh, this guy was sitting there watching all that. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be over here with this group here. You've got to take the boys back to their cabin, take care of everything. This is a big responsibility. I'm counting on you. And then when I get through, I go over there and He's still sitting straight up in bed looking like this. He said, did y'all capture that demon? I've, I've had the door locked. I don't want him to come in here. I mean, he's scared to live in daylights out of him until we got home and he was drunk again. And on a Sunday night, we had a long service. His daddy got saved. His daddy, who we'd been praying for his boy for three years. And he came down. I thought he was going to the same thing. We're going to pray for him again and believe it in the name of Jesus again. His daddy came down and said, I've been living a lie. I'm not saved myself. And he got saved and sat right there on the front row. It wasn't 10 minutes. The church there at Port Natchez had glass doors in the back. I was interested in safety before safety ever came along. I wanted to see who's coming in. And I saw that boy walk down, and he walked straight down that aisle and came to me. And you could smell alcohol on his breath, but he wasn't drunk. And he said, Preacher, God showed me tonight, if I don't get saved tonight, I'm not going to live. We led him to the Lord, and I said, Now, I want you to do something. Go over there and sit by your daddy who just got saved. Go sit by your daddy. He calls through people praying there. And I want to tell you, you call it a coincidence, you call it whatever you want to. The fourth way God speaks is through providence. That's the things that happen every day that people explain away. But I tell you, in the Christian life, God's still in control of this mess. He still understands. I I, I picked up a book uh, from Lifeway here a couple of months ago. And he said, thank God for my heart attack. And I threw that thing back down as fast as I could. <laughs> I thought, good grief, there's some idiot writing a book. Well, I went on back in the back of life way, and then I, I couldn't. My curiosity got the best of me, and I couldn't wait no longer. So I went back up there and picked the book up again. And the guy in the forward explained, if it hadn't been for my heart attack, I'd have never been saved. And I thought, you know what? Being saved and living with a heart attack, that's really a lot better than not having a heart attack and going to hell. Wow. I mean, that's the providence of God. And that's where we're at in this barley field here. What's it going to take for God to get your attention? What's he going to have to set on fire in your life? Because once he sets it on fire, you can just back up and watch it burn. You're not going to put it out. Sometimes it's deep sorrow. Sometimes it's illness. I'm not trying to say anything's happened to you. I'm just telling you that's one of the ways that God can deal with us. The second thing, though, is not only is there a great call here, but there's a great refusal here. He said, you go get Joab. He comes back and said, He said, no. You go back again. He he came back. He said, no. A great refusal. I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I was thinking as I was writing this, I did not want to come to Longview. I mean, 15 years ago, I I, I can give you some of the circumstances. I I took a half cut in salary to come here. I already had my home church that said, if you go to Colorado and plant a church, we'll pay you two years full salary. Because we believe they need a church. I had a guy in Denver that told Becky and I, we've got this house here, extra house. It's yours. You live in it as long as you want to. I'm going to give you a job at the Mercury dealership there. You're going to be a service rider. I'm going to pay you $70,000 a year. You don't even have to come into work. I just want to be a part of this church. And on the way home, this church called. And I said, mm, no, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And that very song, that very song today, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And I came here still stomping my foot and saying, I don't want to. I don't want to. Aaron had not married Jen, so it's just Aaron. I didn't want to come. Case had not married Brittany, so it's just. Uh, and actually, it was a little bit later on. I this is the last place I wanted to be. But I'll tell you. You'll hear tonight from the missionary Dwayne Dwayne King. Tremendous! Don't miss tonight at six o'clock from Alaska. Boy, he he was talking about young people and I've experienced this so many times when God get a hold of young people at youth camp or maybe just a D now or something and God has a special place for them to go and a special place for them to do and then they get home and the, and they say well um, and the parents say you know you can't make no money like that and they end up talking to their kids Jason and I can go to his friend right now this morning God called him to do a special ministry. He said no because you couldn't make no. His mama said no. And he's on his third marriage today. Let me tell you, you're not going to be happy until you get in the will of God. Now, when we're talking about this refusal, Christians can refuse the will of God. You you can just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But not only Christians, sinners can say no to God. Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is God that I should obey him? Who is God that I should obey him? Well, if you're here and you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, you know who God is. He's everything. He's the I am. Whatever you need, he is. But if you're lost, you don't see that. Let Let me just finish up here. There's a great call. There's a great refusal, and there's a great price you got to pay. Joab said, "I'm not coming." Can you imagine him every night going out there looking over those barley fields, saying, Whew, "I have done good for myself." Those barley—they would glitter in the moonlight. Boy, when you had a full moon, it would just light up. In the morning, he'd get up early and watch the sun come up over those barley fields, and he'd say, "Boy, what, what a, what a, hmm." What a blessing. What a blessing. I have done great things for God. And they said, you take this torch and light those fields. You'll come. I mean, first thing. He's over there. Why did you do this? What have you done? Why did you do this? He's wringing his hands because all he can see there is the barley fields on fire. There's no way to put them out once they're all lit on fire there. So he's wringing his hands, his eyes are burning, and he's just beside himself. What are you going to do? I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be better just to know what God wants you to do and go ahead and do it before he has to burn a barley field? Back years ago, we had this young preacher friend. He was over at a church in Orange, and church was giving him fits. It was an old church, and nobody liked anything. And He came to me, and he said, I, I want to start a new church. I believe God wants me to start a new church. Would you help? And I said, we'll be glad to. We went through all the hoops and everything, prayed about it, got a place located there. Church was doing super well, probably 90, 100 at that time, within just two or three months' time. God was blessing. And one Friday afternoon, the pastor's wife called me and said she was in tears and crying. I was trying to understand her. She said, he's left. I said, what do you mean he's left? She said, I mean... He's with another woman, and he's gone. I called every friend I had. Every one of them was busy, and that's fine. My wife said, Charles, you are stupid. This is crazy. This is crazy. I said, babe, I'm going to look for him. I asked her, I said, do you have any idea where he may have gone? She said, all he told me, he was headed for Houston, and that's it. I left, I don't know, probably about 7, 8 o'clock that night. And I thought, I went to Beaumont, sat right there at Walden Road in I-10 and thought, now, if I left here going toward Houston with a hot mama sitting next to me, I mean, I'm already in sin, where would I go? And I took off toward Houston and I stopped at the La Quinta Inn It was the first decent, clean hotel between Beaumont and and Houston. Drove around, there his truck was. It's about 11 o'clock at night by this time. I pull in there and block him in. The hotel's already closed. You can't just get in. I knew I wouldn't do that, couldn't do that. But I waited there, sitting outside, until a car drove up to rent a room. And when they opened the door for the people to rent the room, I walked on in with them sat down over there on the couch, picked up the phone. I said, would you ring so-and-so's room? Yes. And he answered the phone. I said, man, we need to talk. How'd you find me? I said, that's beyond the point. Well, he said, I won't be here when you get here. I promise you that. I said, I'm already here. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to talk. And I said, I'm not moving my car. You're not going nowhere. Do you talk to me? And we met down at the pit grill. Right there at the La Quinta. And he, he was an absolute. He was a good looking guy. The head full of black hair. Tall, slender. And he sat there as we were looking at each other over that table. And he said, I've always had this problem. And women have always come on to me. And I've always fought it off. And I've always prayed. But this one just blindsided me. And I said, i got good news for you. Your wife says she'll work with you and take you back. So Get your stuff out of the room and come on, let's go back. He said, I can't do it. Can't do it. He said, do you think God can save somebody like me? And I said, in the flesh, I want to tell you, no, you're going to hell. But I didn't. I said, if you're saved, God's going to give you a good and He's going to set your barley field on fire. One year to the day after that, his barley field was his precious. At that time, was seventeen years old, and he had graduated. Was on his way to Texas A and M. Got in a head-on collision, killed him. And his wife called me and said, "You know all the troubles we've had. He's coming to the funeral, and I'd want him to, and all of that, but we're all scared of what he's going to do. Would you come?" I said, "I'll be glad to." So I was over there at the funeral home waiting for him, and about. 7:30, 8 o'clock that night, he walked in, lots of people all around. He spotted me and ran over to me. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I done clenched my fist. Because I thought he's gonna swing one time, I'm gonna duck, and I'm gonna knock the living daylights out of him right here. I done ready. I was ready. And he threw both arms around me. And he said this, he said, you didn't tell me it would hurt this much to lose a barley field. Mm. Listen, I'm just asking you. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't have no barley field. Praise God. But I'm asking you this morning, is there something that's standing between you and God? Something that's more precious to you? Something that you spend your attention on, your time on, more than the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if there is, that's called a barley field. And I I know this is not popular, but I just want to tell you, what you need to do is get rid of that thing and get back in touch with God. Because once that field goes on fire, you're not going to stop it. It's going to burn. There's no barley field God wants to burn. He's a good, good God. He loves us. He gives us time after time. I've been studying on a message for prayer that I'm going to preach next week. And my soul, the people had turned against him. There was nobody who wanted to serve God. And you know what God did? He didn't leave them alone. God sent someone to do it for them. That's how good God is. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, let me tell you, God's got the resources to get your attention. You've got folks praying for you. They're, they love you. You say, well, I can't come down here to this church. If anybody in this church is going to gripe because you got saved, we ought to throw them out. That's what this place is for. Don't let God have to get your attention to try to get his way in your life. Father, thank you this morning. We thank you that you're a good, good God. You're a good, good Father. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, I pray. Lord, this morning, for those that are sitting here, we don't know. God, it may be that you've got the angels in heaven with the torches already lit, saying, I'm fixing to set the barley field on fire. I don't know. But I pray before it's everlastingly too late that, God, you would reach down and those that need you as their personal Savior would admit they're a sinner and know they cannot save themselves, and humble themselves before you, repent of their sins, and invite you to take over their life. For those of us this morning who are Christians and saved, we know we're saved. God it's so easy to let the cares of this world and the things of this world it's so easy to get educated and then feel like we're kind of a step above everybody else it's so easy to get torn in so many different ways and so many different ideas and so many different directions oh God bring us back to you today let your Holy Spirit fall fresh on this place and bring us to you today would you have your way in your will in our life. Maybe there's somebody here who needs a church home. I praise you for what you've done in this place. Lord, it's all you and we thank you and praise you for it. Now would you continue to open the gates of heaven and pour out blessings in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us. God's speaking to you. You come. Christian, lead the way. These altars are open. Come on right now. Come on, all over. Come on.
1: the ever
0: me His for me shall be. join these at the altar God's leading you to make a decision no come on come on right no now I need no other
1: plea. it is enough that Jesus died God. and that He died for me, enough for me that Jesus saved. This is my fear and doubt. I sinful soul. I.
0: That young man that I went to and God burned his barley field, he repented. He's serving the Lord now, lives in Kerrville. It's a bad thought of his life that he just doesn't want to go there. But the bottom line is once your barley field's burned, it's burned, folks. And now you can see what God wants to do with you from today forward. What does he want to do with you now? If you're here and God's already burnt your barley field, listen, the thing to do is to repent of that and let Jesus have his way in your life. He can give you new fields. He can give you new ideas. God's able to do all things. So I just want to share that with you. Don't leave here doom and gloom because God has brought chastisement on you. The gloom and doom is if you will not repent and get right with God that's the gloom and doom when you do God's going to love you God's going to bless you God's going to be with you Father we just ask you in this one more verse we sing God if someone here Lord they, they, they just need something special God you, you give them the, the privilege the will the courage to step out and come I claim it Lord in the name of Jesus there's no other name written that men could be saved But through the name of Jesus. Have your way in every heart in Jesus' name. Come on, right now, we'll sing one more verse. My
1: great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me, his precious blood he shed. no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me.
0: Amen. God bless you. Be seated, please.
2: Hey, Woodland Hills, here's what's happening. Tonight, we will have a special guest, Brother Dwayne King, who will be in the evening service, and our preschool praise will be performing at the close of the service. Immediately following the service tonight, we will have a town hall meeting at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Have you been looking for your place here to serve? We've got a place for you on our First Impressions team. We're in need of volunteers. You can contact Brother Mike Taylor or Miss Barbara Taylor for more information. Man, Church will be tomorrow night at Emmanuel Baptist Church in White Oak. If you'd like to ride the church bus, it will be leaving at 5.30, so be here a few minutes before. Next Sunday night, February 3rd, will be our Life Group Connect Super Bowl parties. Contact your life group leader to find out the plans for your group or see Brother Case if you're in need of a life group. If you're interested in the Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, contact Josh Hedgepeth or the church office. Classes will begin February 17th at five o'clock and childcare will be provided. Our children will be selling chocolate-covered strawberries as a camp fundraiser on February 10th. You can pick up your half dozen in the foyer after the service. I love Woodland Hills, don't you? We're having our I Love My Church banquet on February the 10th, and you can sign up at our website, www.whbchurch.com. I sure hope you can join us. Thank you for being here with us today. Make sure and check your bulletin and our website for additional information. Have a great Sunday afternoon. We'll see you tonight. God bless (laughs) you.
0: Well, glory to God. uh, Don't miss tonight. Uh, I've already heard uh, Dwayne one time. I'm telling you, he's going to bless your heart. Preschool choir is going to sing. It's going to be a great night. And after that, our town hall meeting, so do not miss tonight. And then uh, let me just encourage you. There, there are so many people doing great things all over this church. Uh, one of the greatest ministries, and, and I say that because they're all great. But the first impression team, we, we need some more help. And uh, you got to smile, you got to be happy, you got to look like you're proud to be alive. Uh, but if you'd see Mike or Barbara Taylor, We just need different people. I know some of you say, well, I'm in the choir and I can't do that. Well, we use first impressions on Wednesday night, Sunday night. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Isn't that right, Brother Mike? Is that right? No, it's not right. It's only Sunday. Well, they're going to expand. They just don't know it. But they're going to expand and, and use that first impression. So you, if you're in the choir, don't sign up for this. But uh, if you want to have a, a viable ministry somewhere, I want to tell you guys the way it is. If you, and if you're visiting, just kind of close your ears because you don't need to hear this. But today that we live in, most folk, when they look for a church, will come one time. And they're either impressed and they come back or they never come back again. So that's why we call it First Impressions. And we need some more help. So if you would, see Mike or Barbara Taylor to help with that. Okay? The, the bulletin says that uh, hill, Hilltoppers is Tuesday. It's not. It's not. Uh, they're just faking you out. You're going to come and get nothing but a hot dog. So don't come Tuesday for Hilltoppers. Uh, that's a Shamgar. And uh, let's see. Uh, anything else we miss? Don't, don't miss tonight. Whatever you do. All right, Would you stand together? Join hands across the aisle if you would. What a glorious day. Oh, I'll tell you what else I was going to do. Uh, Next Sunday night is Life Connection groups. And you need to be in your group. Now, if you don't have a group and you're just bent on not going to a group, uh, we're going to meet at a fellowship out at Mason Creek at 530. And we're going to have a fish fry. Now, if you're in a life group, we're going to serve you drum. If you're not, we, we've got some redfish and snapper and catfish and all that. But if you're in a live group, you better go to your life group or we'll serve you drum, all right, with all them bones in it. But that'll be next Sunday night, all right? If you're not in one, though, come. We'll have a glorious time together. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Man, I love seeing our young people down here. And there's some all the way back in the attic back there. <laughs> Trinity Lead us in a closing prayer, would you please?